Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Appreciate you tuning in uh, here this morning. Here's what's coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list at the bottom of the hour. Or in the vicinity of Scott Docterman from The Athletic, who was at Carver yesterday. We'll recap that. Uh, you got a, a full mailbag at The Athletic. Surprise, surprise, most of them are a lot of the questions pertaining to Brian Ferentz. Uh, so Doc will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour. We'll kick off hour number two, about 12.05. Quick NFL hit with Nick Athen, uh, who, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about the Chiefs, who of the four regional teams clearly have the most viable path to Super Bowl Sunday, one would assume. Uh, and then uh, Nick Oson, who covers Iowa State for 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. He'll join the latest on Iowa State had a win yesterday at Hilton, and we'll catch up on the latest a uh, couple of signings in football, and we'll pick Nick's brain uh, coming up here at twelve thirty, Mister Monday Night, with his appearance. What's there? Four Monday Night games left. Three, four. This is Ooh. there's three after tonight. It's getting scary, Mister Monday yeah, Night's been hot. I know he has. Just um, you know, we can keep it going until we reach the end. All right, uh, how are you? How was the weekend? It was good. Good. Yeah. Got uh. Had a couple of Christmas parties. Had the okay, one over at nice. 80's place on Friday night and then Saturday. XNO party, yeah. My uh, my friend Barry, who haven't been able to for whatever reason hit his Christmas party last couple of years. So yeah, it was fun. Got to see a lot of people haven't seen in a while. You know, talk to people outside of work on the work side of things. It was a good mm-hmm. weekend and. As always, plenty of sports viewing. No, there really was. Then it got a little crazy overnight with Chris Beard being arrested. Um, and um, as defense attorneys are wont to do, they came out with a strong defense of, the, of his client this morning, said it was uh, he's completely innocent. The complainant wants the charges dropped. Can't believe there was an arrest made. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, but Chris Beard, uh, but sadly, the of the... Um, the news that you know a lot affects a lot of people because Mike Leach was in the Big Twelve after all. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds dire. That's a word that keeps coming up. Whatever you read about Mike Leach and his situation, as he suffered a massive heart attack um, and is clinging to life, apparently. And it's absolutely devastating. A guy that is one of the characters of the sport that. Make it great. It does. Big 12 media days were appointment. I mean, whatever you were doing, you don't schedule anything when he was on the podium. Right. Or when he's doing that little side session afterwards where everybody walks up to the stage and just gather around. And there's, um, it's, just, it's just phenomenal just listening to him speak. Um, but apparently he went without oxygen for 10 to 15 minutes. And there was a delay getting him off the ground. The helicopter could not, I don't know if it couldn't get in. We know it couldn't get out, the life flight, uh, because of weather. But by the time, I don't know if it, if um, no one was around him, or but apparently he was without oxygen for 10 to 15 minutes. So if he, if he makes it through, um, you just have to wonder, what does that do to the brain functionality? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, thoughts with with Mike Leach. Uh, another one in a, a family note, Grant Wall. Oh my God, what a terrible story! And then another guy over there, a journalist overnight died. Oh really? I didn't see that. This is two. I don't want to put on tinfoil hat to mm-hmm. the investigation or if there is anything going on beside behind the scenes. But when you read how vocal Wall was, mm-hmm. 
to what was going on over there. And then his brother, who happens to be gay, comes out and puts out the TikTok or the video, whatever it was. Um, he was, he wasn't sick. He was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, um, he had bronchitis, but mm-hmm. a guy that looked very healthy, mm-hmm. fit at 48 years old, mm-hmm. bronchitis takes him down makes you question yeah it does absolutely does but there'll be a a thorough investigation you just have to hope in that case that the body was turned over to american authorities very quickly right so there could be nothing nefarious with though you would have to think an autopsy and his wife an infectious doctor you know i remember seeing her in the beginning i remember her face i didn't know Mm this um i don't know what channel she was on I know I went everywhere to try to find out as much as I could mm-hmm. back in February of 2020 to see what, what was coming. And um, anyways, that's where we're at. He uh, was a guy that I remember incredibly well. He was a huge college basketball writer mm-hmm. early in his career well, with He covered SI. the LeBron at the high school did, game. Yeah, that SI cover story yeah. was from Grant Wall. Right. He was an incredible writer, too. Uh, Matt Norlander, our buddy who joined us last week from CBS, he, uh, at the beginning of his podcast, said, didn't know him like on a professional level, anything like that. There are times on the college basketball beat never really kind of married, but he just read a couple of his leads and just an incredible writer. And I remember you know, over the last five to ten years, anytime I had a question, hey, national team's playing tonight, does it really matter? Mm-hmm. I looked for Grant Wall. Mm-hmm. What did Grant Wall have to say? He, mm-hmm. was, he was that voice. I mean, he was a voice so far clear. Now it's also because it's a niche of a niche sport. Sure. But so different than anybody else. You think of, you always talk about the summertime, and King right in the NFL. Yeah. Is there another voice, though, a writer like that? Uh, no. I mean, I'm sure there is that is escaping me, but Peter King seems to be. I mean, Florio's got a lot of support, but he's not Peter King. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think there is. But, to, to, you know, just to back up what you further back up what you, what you said regarding Grant Wall, I mean, Trent, my Twitter feed for, for two or three days, you, mm-hmm. you couldn't scroll hardly three or four. Um, you know, people down, and there's always somebody expressing what he meant to their career and what yes. he meant to them personally. The outpouring of love uh, for this guy, just amazing. Anyways, yeah, very sad story. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll watch the Mike Leach thing, certainly, you know, fingers crossed, right? But when you're without oxygen for that long and massive heart attack, you just wonder... Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully makes it through. Well, we shall see. All right. Uh, we can do NFL, and we'll get to that at some point. We should play the hits, and that's I when Iowa State, where we sit here in downtown Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still weird. I don't care. Listening to Larry Morgan do Iowa State <laughs> right. games on uh, on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, he, he's good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He's, 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 he's still sharp. He's still sharp, absolutely. Yeah. Has he? Of course we've all lost something when we get into our 60s. You will, too. And whoever's listening in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you will, too. Okay? Um, but it's Larry Morgan when he opens his mouth and comes out of it. And you think, my God, this is really strange, right? It is. Um, but uh, Iowa State have struggled a little bit early against McNeese and then just pulled away late in the basketball game. Started hitting shots. Well, wasn't that refreshing? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Conversely, Iowa couldn't hit a shot after no. couldn't miss a shot on Wednesday night. I was floored that Iowa was able to come back and, and send the game to overtime. Absolutely. I don't know how they did it. And then they gained control. And then they gained control. But every time they did, to the Badgers' stinking credit, they would make a three. That was my takeaway. And I understand. We're here to talk about Iowa. Nobody gives a crap about Wisconsin outside of like Ken Payne. I mean, there's is he, uh, there's that many. Frank Schwab. Fans. Right, right. Yeah. It's few and far between. He's not though. listening. It's about the Hawkeyes. Yeah. That's why we're here. But 
if you look at this more just big picture, the takeaway was every single time Wisconsin had yeah. a response. 48-42. Yeah. And they come roaring back. Right. Eight, eight point run. Right as soon as it looked like Iowa's finally going to gain control and they're going to get overtime. Yeah. Five different times. Iowa has a lead. Five straight times Wisconsin responds with yeah. a bucket. That was the overview. Now it's frustrating because you get this game, you're one and oh because you look forward for Iowa. They open up with two roadies when they get back to regular play. Two more non-conference games, and then it's at Nebraska. Well, that game looks a lot more difficult, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. After what they did yeah. to Creighton, after the way that they should have beat they had Purdue, a, had they got a, a bad whistle. Oh, terrible whistle. I mean, bad come on. whistle in that one. They were that close to giving Purdue their first loss mm-hmm. of the year. And then you go to Penn State after that. I mean, those two road games mm-hmm. are ones, you're doubling you now, you're, you're at least putting one down. You might Split. put two down. Yeah. You might now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're looking at 0-3 with Indiana coming to town. Mm-hmm. That's why this one stings more than anything is it was a winnable game. Mm-hmm. You had it at Carver. Without Euless, without Chris Murray. And you just couldn't yeah. find a way to get one more stop. I know. Connor it's- McCaffrey was great. Patrick in, in late in the basketball game and into the overtime period was... Yeah, but Connor McCaffrey, of the McCaffreys... Maybe not fair to Patrick. He had a career high with 24. It was still Connor to be. Yeah, I'm with you. Because with he you. did more than just score. Yeah. Patrick can score. Mm-hmm. I want to see more from him still. Mm-hmm. There, there needs to be more to his game. He can't. Although he sits you, I mean, in, in that overtime period, that little putback, being in the right place, mm-hmm. right time, I mean, that's between the ears, knowing where to go. Um, but the McCaffreys were terrific in the game. They really and truly were. Dad, um, that, that thing's going to live on the internet forever. Right. You know, you can... The crazy eyes. Oh, my God. He was hot under the collar. It took all the assistants to come around. And who's the young kid that looks like he should be a McCaffrey? Or could be a McCaffrey? Not should be. Not young. Maybe mid-20s on the coaching staff. He's clean cut. He looks like a McCaffrey. Uh, obviously he isn't. But he was... Was it Gatons? The... It was Gatons. That's who that is. <laughs> yeah. It's Matt Gatons. Yeah. He came in late to help clean it up and basically said, knock I it off. I never put two and two together. Yeah, That's Gatons. Matt Gaines. Yeah, Gaines, yeah. <laughs> and, wow. Yeah, but you know, him getting involved and Sherm and all of them trying mm-hmm. to hold Coach back and a <laughs> right. little hot under the collar. But, man, you know what? Don't you want that out of your coach? You do. I do. He's fighting for his guys. Yes. Brad Underwood went the other route. Mm-hmm. Did you hear him after the Penn State I did. game? I did. It was, it was, Have um, you ever heard a coach? We've heard coaches call Alford. Absolutely. But not a three-minute absolute murder of his team Mm -hmm. and telling them there's not a leader. Then he was asked about that in the locker room. He was asked about T.J. Shannon, and he gives the raspberry sound. He goes, "Yeah, I've never seen a coach like that." Now, will they respond? Because they're really talented. Illinois is really talented. I think they are. But that is a call out of another level. Trent, I'm still. It's Matt Gatons. How did I not put two (laughs) and two together? I didn't. And I knew he was on the staff, but anyways, um, no. To answer your question, that was uh, that was the, no. That was something you rarely, rarely, rarely see. And even to Alfred, I guess to his credit, I don't think he ever went that far. Mm-hmm. No, I mean he threw his team under the bus. See me laugh. It would be well. Lost. We got to make some more shots, or yeah. we, we got to play better defensively, or yeah. this guy's got never me. No, never. It's, it's never, never me. It's, no. it's always him. Um, but it was, it's, it, it was there. It was there. Uh, let's let's do this. What is wrong with Peyton Sanford? How do you get him out of this trend? Because this is starting to be... This is alarming. This guy's way better than this. He's still shooting, but there's still times that you... Yeah, he's got an open shot. He's going to fire. But there's also the times that he looks tentative and he doesn't want to have the ball. 
They had to play Carter Kingsbury 10 minutes that, last And night. he didn't want to. No. Well, he's thick, by the way. Yes. He, he, he's like his dad a little later in the career, right? Yeah. He's, he's got a body to him. Yeah. And he was out there 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. He hit a three. No. Look, if Peyton Sanford's not hitting shots, he's unplayable. I think, I think you're right, sadly. Because even at six foot eight, he's not a great defender. Mm-hmm. He's okay rebounding at that size, but just that, okay. If he's not hitting shots, you can't play him. You're without Chris Murray. Yeah. You're without Aaron Eulis. Yeah. Tony Perkins has dealt with an injury mm-hmm. seemingly all season long. Boy, he's a fire plug, isn't he? He's so fun. They have all these guys that are kind of banged up right now. I mean, this is, it sets up perfectly, though, what they have coming up. Southeast Missouri State, you're favored by 30. Yeah, get well. Get, get, get well. Eastern Illinois, I think they're favored by 34. Perfect. Perfect. And if it is. Chris, look, if you don't, if Murray doesn't need to play, don't play. Oh, oh absolutely. And right. even if Tony Perkins doesn't need take, to play. Take the, take the right. night off. Or if Euless needs another week, there you go. Take it, because this is what it's for. You're going with the McCaffreys and a couple other pieces. You can beat these teams. Mm-hmm. Get everybody right, because you're already in a hole at 0 one at the Big yeah. Ten, and because you lost in the non-conference, the TCU and the Duke loss, your resume is not real shiny. Mm-hmm. Because of that, you're going to have to be at minimum what 11 and nine in Big Ten play. Probably that gets you in. And if you want to be more than that, you want to be on the top half of the bracket, if you will, you're going to have to be 12 and 8, 13 and 7 to get to that point. It's going to be very difficult to get there with as banged up as this team is. I still like this team. I, I, this is not one where you hit the panic button. The concern button is there. And you're right. Sanford, without mm. his shooting, mm. what do you do? Maybe it takes one of these tomato cans, right? Maybe. You just go out there and he hits three threes and Maybe. okay. I'm it's guessing as simple as that. I, there was a, one of the Iowa reporters put a, put a picture, picture on Twitter of uh, Perkins after the game still in his uniform taking shots. I'm assuming Sanford's doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Don't even talk about no, it. No, don't. Yeah. yeah, don't even bring it up. Right. Just, just because go. you know ultimately he yep. can still be that guy. Because you have to. He, he's, he's better than this. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. But Did it's we, been a season-long struggle for him. I he mean, hit three is, threes the first two games. Each game he had three three-pointers in the first two games against a couple of crap teams. So we're talking about the first, second week in November. Right, we're going way back. This has been about a month-long slump for him. I'm sure there's been you know a couple of games that he made a few of them, but he just looks off. Bethune-Cookman he, was the seventh, geez. and then the 11th against North Carolina A&T. And today's the, what, 12th? Yeah. So yesterday was a, a month. A month. It's a month-long slump. Um, I'd, I'd stay out of the gym. I mean, you tried. I'm sure he's done everything mm-hmm. to try and get past go away this. for a day. Hey, don't yes, even come to the gym don't today. Even take the day off. Right, you're still part of the team. Come on, eat dinner with us. But just get away. Go just out, do something. Hit the I don't bars. know. I don't know. <laughs> do something. Right. I don't know. Just just change up whatever you're doing because it's just he's got to get out of there. They're going to need him mm-hmm. in a big way. They're going to need him. So what is the uh, Chris Murray prognosis? Have you heard as far as Will he be ready for January? It's not a foregone conclusion that, all right, they open up against Nebraska again at the 29th and, and he's ready to go. That's what I've heard. This is something probably is going to linger into January and hmm. plantar fasciitis. Yeah. How, how many times have we had this, heard about this injury mm-hmm. and it becomes so debilitating it takes a lot longer to get back than an original yeah. diagnosis of that? And Fran hasn't said anything either. And we haven't heard anything either from Dad. Kenny likes to talk. Mm, and he's still been ex- talking, you know. but it's not Kenyon saying he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard that. Because of that, I would have more concern to say, oh, yeah, he'll be ready. Or even after that road trip out in the Big Ten play to begin things, yep. he'll be back by the Indiana game. 
I don't think there is anything definitive at this point that you can point to and and possibly get excited about. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Iowa State, um, again, Larry Morgan, just a different listen, not because he's not qualified for what he's doing. It's just different. Calshire uh, was making some shots, mm-hmm. which was good to see. Jazz Coons had his best game, I don't want to say of the year, because I can't say I've sat and watched all of these tomato cans getting pasted on ESPN+. Plus. Right. Um, you know, from start to finish with, you know, without taking my eyes off it. Holmes was Holmes again. But they, it was a struggle, at least early in the basketball game. Now, the final 20 minutes, they just whooped them. Just whooped them. I don't remember what the score was going into halftime. I know it was single digits. Might have been seven, eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was closer than it should have been. But they uh, just clamped down on them in the second half. Wouldn't give them anything. And they got a couple of shots to fall. And away those Cyclones went. And now we'll get to see here coming up within the week. We'll get to see Trey come in, help them out. So when does he get there? So they play Sunday. Finals end, obviously, Friday. Okay. So would he be eligible? So that's the 18th? That is, yes, the 18th. So I don't know if the new semester officially starts on Monday, if he get through mm-hmm. the weekend, or once finals end, then automatically he's eligible. I don't know the Good way that Nick the Good question in an Absolutely. hour and 10 minutes from right now. Because we've talked about him a ton. Yep. The scoring ability, yep. a guy... On a, on a team who clearly All right, how about this? needs some scoring help. Let, let's say he is, everything is advertised. Uh-huh. He's a guy that they anticipate could come in, average you know 13 points a game, six rebounds, something like that. Do you put him in the lineup right away? If he's one of your five best, and again, we don't know because, well, we haven't seen this guy play college basketball in two years. Right, but you know who does know is TJ because right. he's watched some practice for two years. So just for argument's sake, let's gotcha. say he's one of your okay. five best. Yeah. Do you put him in there right away? You just say, we know this is ultimately going to be our no, lineup. No, I don't think so. We're going to ease him in. Yes, I think you ease him in. And, and that's not a long process because if he shows in game one that he deserves to start, I, I would think that TJ would because they need scoring. Because they have two games left before Big Ten, Big mm-hmm. 12 play starts for them again. It's Western Michigan Sunday. Again, we'll see if he's eligible. And they've got an injury too. Caleb Girl didn't play in the basketball yes, game. That was an illness, illness right? Yes, right. yes. So you would anticipate right. he's going to be back. And then Nebraska, Omaha, Wednesday. That's their last non conference game. Of course, they have the SEC challenge a little bit later. But those, uh, what they have before, they have 10 days off, though, after Do next they really? Wednesday before they play Baylor on New Year's Eve. So, well. That'll be a big one. That will be a big one. One o'clock tip. Oh, man. And, and Iowa gets back into the Big Ten, you said the 29th? 29th, yeah. That is when the Nebraska game is. And then a uh, quick turnaround. I think they play, I think that's a Thursday. And then they come back, back Sunday. Saturday, back Sunday. Penn State. So back-to-back road trips for them. And the two longest apart in the Big Ten. <laughs> right. Hope they got yeah. their frequent flyer miles. Oh, they will. They they will. Well, we'll see. We'll watch the injuries and stuff. But yeah, the, the McCaffreys were terrific yesterday. Patrick with a career high, and Connor just playing all over the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever he needed. He's playing to do. center for. I a while. saw that. And Robbie Hubble noticed that in the broadcast. <laughs> Boy, he's good. Isn't yeah. he a good listen? You're a big Robbie fan, aren't you? Now the stretch, aren't you? Yeah, he's fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. The stretch. They got the six point lead, mm-hmm. but the lineup where Connor was playing center. Mm-hmm. With Sanford, Dix, Kingsbury, and Tony Perkins. Yeah, maybe scrub that lineup a little bit. And, well, you saw the lead go away very mm-hmm, quickly mm-hmm. with that lineup out there. And Fran didn't use a timeout. He had Robracha sitting over there, and I think Connor was sitting over there for a long time. I know Fran loves to hold on to those timeouts, mm-hmm. but there was ever a time to use one just for a lineup change. That was the time. Where does that... Um Kind of blow up rank with, with, with just the facial expression. Oh, I yeah. thought I thought that you you see the cartoons right with the smoke coming out the ears, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. That 
it's as close as I think you're going to see a human get. His face didn't get as red as normal. No, that's true. That's true. He was just staring him down. Now, mm-hmm. it'll be a meme, like you said. We'll, yeah. we'll see that picture. Kind of biting his upper lip uh-huh. seemed like he was. But that one's down the list. I mean, that, that was, it's not a nothing. No, but in be- comparison to many of the blows yeah. that we've seen, even the hold back, hold me back. When you're not really holding the guy, I mean, it kind of felt. Kind of, I, did you feel that way? Yeah, I, I kind thought, of thought that he was out there. That these guys were really. They just didn't want him to be ejected. Well, that's true. They'll pick up a second technical, right. bing bang, and then it was right. two free throws in yeah. possession instead of four p- free throws mm-hmm. in possession. So I think more than anything, that's what it was. But yeah, Gaten's coming in late. Yeah. to basically tell him to knock it off. Right. How great was that to see too? No, it was good. It yeah. was really good. Uh, the game was entertaining, Trent. It was entertaining. It was it was, uh, it was a fun uh, kind of diversion from watching my god awful football team. Oh yeah, um, came back and cover for us though. They did. They that was did. Good. They did. They came back and covered. Did you watch any other college hoops over the weekend? Did you watch much else? Arizona, Indiana. Uh, it was a bad game. It was Arizona. That was an eye opener yep, for me. That's, it, me too. If I was into the futures market like you, I would have. I've uh, got some Arizona. Yeah. yeah. But I had them. I think I bought a Kentucky ticket um, when there was a rumor they were going to get a big name transfer. Oh, Drew Timmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Timmy's going to Kentucky. I'll yeah. get my app out. Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> I'll stay ahead of you guys here. Uh, and then I bought Arizona very quickly after that. So did you dabble on Arizona? Did yeah. Did you buy some? That was, in fact, a, one of my plays on Mediacom on Inside the Numbers mm. this week was on Arizona. I think they're a two-point, at least projected point spread for that one. Uh, I also was on Alabama going into the weekend. That was... They out Houston Houston. Did they? I mean, they well, were. No, I didn't see a minute of it. They were so physical, so mm-hmm. good, and, and hit shots and something. I mean, there's probably not going to be a game the rest of the year, all the way through the NCAA tournament, where they give up 71 in regulation. That's how good mm. Houston is defensively. But Alabama, they were the tougher team. Calvin Sampson, he's going to have that yeah. team ready after losing like that. How about this? We remember Vice Slamma Jamma. Houston's had good teams yeah. going way back to. That was the first ever top 10 matchup in their home building. Really? Isn't that unthinkable? Well, that's going to change because they're going to have some Big 10, Big 12 teams. But they were in the Southwest Conference for decades, That's true. Yeah, good point. I mean, they were a good team. I know the Southwest Conference was a football conference more than anything. But there had to be one or two over those years. And to think that there was never a top 10 matchup in their building, just one of those crazy numbers that kind of come across. What time was that game on Saturday? It was middle of the day. So I probably was watching, I watched the Bison game. Oh, you did. And then on Friday night, I watched Montana State. Mm-hmm. Boy, I like seeing cold weather football. Oh, I game. was up late Friday night watching the end of Incarnate Word. Because you had Incarnate Word. You did. And they had a late touchdown, a 50-50 call that they called a touchdown on the field. And if they would have called it incomplete, Ooh. it would have been incomplete. And weren't you getting points? I was, yeah. Did you bet them on the money line? I didn't. Like the Cardinal, though. Against Sacramento State. Yeah. Now Sacramento State's coach is Stanford's coach. Isn't he did a good so? job. I mean, Sacramento State, yeah. they've never been good at the mm-hmm. FCS level, at least that I can remember. Remember they played you and I uh, earlier this season and, and seeing that a little bit of that game and saying, oh, they got some dudes there all of a sudden. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see. Stanford, we've talked about in the past, it's going to be a tough job. But yeah, those are a couple of the college basketball notes we mentioned. Underwood, that was also my notes, but just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see her that very often. Real no. quick before we go to break, quick NFL note. Have to talk about Brock Purdy. Want to talk about Brock Purdy. What mm-hmm. a, what a, I mean, Trent, is it really that much of a drop-off between him and Garoppolo? I mean, Garoppolo's got experience. He's played in the biggest of games. Jimmy G was playing good for him. Good for him, yes. But he's not great. 
No, by any means. There's a reason they gave the job to Trey Lance and didn't want him to be part of the team. This three well could be an upgrade. I, I, and I can't believe that I'm saying this. I really can't. This is not be, me being Hawkeye Homer. That's not what this is. This is using the eyes that have watched a lot of football in my life. Right. We saw him make some of the most confounding mistakes in his of any quarterback we've seen in college football. But they're good moments. Don't get oh, me absolutely. wrong. Yeah. A lot of them. Did a lot of great things. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But there was also head-scratching moments. Go back to last year and how many times late in the game and what is he doing? Yes. And, and so so many bad moments coupled with he doesn't have a strong arm. But you know what? Let me stop you because I, I agree with you. And I read a piece yesterday that they broke Brock. He went to some quarterback guru in Florida and trained and they broke him down and completely changed how he lifted weights, how he exercised. He added five miles of velocity to his pass. And that's necessary. Absolutely. Because the guy we saw at Iowa State, we continually said, doesn't have a strong enough arm to be an NFL. I wish I could remember who wrote the piece because I think I wish Cyclone fans would read it um, or football fans. If you find it, I would love to read that. And somebody, I'm sure I'm not the only one that saw it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyways, what a story! What an incredible story! The last pick in the draft. Look what he's doing. I mean, just this is a good football team, a football team that has a legitimate chance to win. Not get there. Win a Super Bowl with that defense and Christian McCaffrey oh. and, and Samuel. I love, I love and what Kittle. Shanahan does with him too. With Christian McCaffrey, it's just like the perfect toy for him, right? Oh my God! Because how he, did they get him? He is a unicorn. He is so different than any other running back. We know about the athletic mm-hmm. ability, the ability to catch the ball, the size, Tough. the physicality. Yes, he has everything, and he has now an offensive coordinator that is willing to do things mm-hmm. to work towards his strength. And same thing with Brock Purdy. They're going to work to his strengths. Is there going to be a rough moment? Yes, there might be Thursday night in Seattle. That's a quick very, turnaround. Very well could be. Uh-huh. We see this happen. The NFL, they will chew you up and spit you yep. up. But in the here and now, what we have saw, basically two games in, Brock Purdy's an upgrade from yeah. Jimmy G. And this was the, the, the game on the road last week. This was like he just you know got in it. He played most of the he game. Did. Yep, yeah. Oh my gosh! Good for him, man. I love it. Good for it, it's and then seeing uh, seeing pops in the stands, you know when they show when they show dad. I mean, who's not if you're if you're a parent, who's not gonna have a tear running down your eye watching your son go up against Tom Brady for crying out loud in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and, and he's hurt it. I mean, oh, just a remarkable. Story. I couldn't be any happier for the kid. I really and truly couldn't. This is remarkable what he's done two weeks in. Now, we'll see where it goes because they're about to get tape on him. And Brian Greasy, another one, and the caller just uh, oh, yeah, called Greasy in and mentioned that. Out. Yeah, good point. Greasy has been yes. a big part, and that was something. Getting him out of the booth, it's a pretty cushy job, right? Yeah, I like Greasy in the booth, but you know what? Um, mm-hmm. He's obviously um, he was a good quarterback, too. You know he what? Was. When he was in the NFL with Denver, that was at the, back, at the end of the back-to-back championships, and Elway had moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a t- and, and Terrell Davis got a career-ending injury, uh, but, but Brian Greasy didn't he get to Tampa? Did he finish in Tampa or Miami? I think mm. Tampa. I think, but he was he was serviceable. He was he was a solid yes. quarterback. If his name was Bob Jones, but Greasy at the back, your well, dad is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think people always wanted a little bit more from him, mm-hmm. and maybe that kind of people said, "Well, he should be a little better." Because he was good. You're right. He, he was, was solid. Good, yeah. he, he was solid. But kind of circumstances made mm-hmm. people, I think, maybe blush at just how good and how solid he was in his career. Yeah. But yeah, they talked about that during the broadcast a lot yesterday, too. Just how important 
greasy has been this quick development. So I was uh, I spent more of my time on Denver and and Kansas City before the football. But when did Fox bail? I don't know because I was red zoning it and bouncing back and forth okay. a little bit from there. So because it was thirty five zip, and I'm wondering, and I don't think this was. Over here on um, wherever their offices are, KDSA. Yeah. I don't think this was a local switch. Yeah. I think this came from above. Why would why would a um, you know a Central Iowa station switch out of a kid who played in Central Iowa? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't. Right. You wouldn't make that switch. But I was surprised that they did. I mean, did they not want to see Tom Brady's team get embarrassed? Are they protecting Brady? I don't think they're protecting him. They're just saying this game sucks. Yeah, that was a little tinfoil hat, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they go a little far there. <laughs> we'll take a time out, 1130, uh, 11.30. Scott Dockerman will join us next from The Athletic. Uh, get into Iowa. They're lost to Wisconsin. Where do they go from here? Any more football news coming out of the program? Doc's mailbag was full. We'll go inside of that. Uh, we're here until 1. It's Miller and Condon. We're underway on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.2. in Ames. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. A couple of locals named All American Jack Campbell, uh, obviously with Iowa, and Xavier Hutchinson with Iowa State. First team. AP, first team, All Americans. Yeah, how about that? And Jack Campbell becomes a consensus All American with this selection. That means he gets to go up on the Wall of Fame at Kinnick. Ah. Uh. There's been, I mean, there's been quite a procession. Oh, of absolutely, yeah. There. That wall, they might need a bigger wall. <laughs> Let's get Scott Dockerman in here. Doc Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Doc. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. So, yeah, he gets uh, his portrait at Kinnick, but uh, so, and that's actually in the All American room, but he's got one more big le- step left if he wants to go up on the press box, and that's to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I gotcha. and, and there's a lot of different guys that are kind of waiting in line, like a Robert Gallery, or Josie Jewell. Or, uh, there, there are a lot. Tyler Linderbaum, Desmond wow. King. Oh, so boy. there's a lot you know, that, that need to that are waiting for that honor. Yeah, that's interesting, Doc. That, that's uh, I'm glad you glad, glad that you brought that up. You know, we want to rank them right as to where they all fit uh, in the Ferentz era. What I'll say, Doc, is boy, there's been a whole bunch of. Uh, um, Terrific linebackers that have um, uh, either, whether, regardless, who was, um, you know, what tenure of defensive coordinator was there, if it was Norm or if it's Parker, dot, dot, dot. A bunch of really good players have played that position for Kirk Ferentz. For sure. And, I mean, you know, yeah, we could bring up a ton, you know, whether they were first team All American, second team All American, you know, Jack, that's what Jack Greenway was. Uh, Abdul Hodge a couple times was first team all Big Ten and Pat Anger, Josie Jewell, but I think Jack Campbell's the best out of the bunch. And uh, just being objective because some people sometimes you get clouded by uh, legacy bias or recency bias, but I think Jack is uh, has the full and complete picture. Um, you know, paints it better than all the others, and I think it's because of his size and his speed are probably a little bit better than that of. Of Josie Jewell, I think his uh, power and strength are better than a few of the other linebackers, even though they may get drafted higher than him. Uh, so I think he's, he fits the picture. And then you look statistically, this defense the last couple of years when he's been in it um, is better than even some of the other great ones in the Ferentz era. 
I know you're a big draft guy, and we know middle linebacker is just not the position that it once was as it pertains to the NFL draft. What are you hearing? What do you anticipate for him in the NFL draft? Are we talking third, fourth round? Could he go higher than that, even being a middle linebacker? What are you hearing on Jack Campbell? He's probably a second to third round guy, I would say, you know, probably late second, early third. And, and, you know, part of it is because there's such a, uh, you know, a passion for not only quarterback, but edge rusher, uh, run stopper, and, and, you know, defensive tackle, and then, you know, cornerback and everything like that. As you said, Trent, it's not really the position that people are drafting for. However, the impact is immeasurable. And, and for somebody like Jack Campbell, not only is he going to be able to play probably three downs for you, but you can't put a price on that leadership and that toughness mm-hmm. that he will present. And he is the undisputed leader of that team and, and can do so many different things for you that I think if you're a team that's really wanting that extra voice and that extra intensity, that he'll bring it in a way that I think you, you sometimes... And, and this never seems to happen with the draft, but sometimes you want to overdraft it instead of underdraft it. You want it the second round instead of the third, because if you got it, it's like adding a second player to your team. Uh, Doc, I want to get inside the, your mailbag that was posted uh, when yesterday or Saturday, over the weekend anyways, at The Athletic. I think it was Saturday. Um, and, and to no surprise, uh, the seemingly the uh, most popular questions had to do with either Brian Ferentz or what changes are coming for the offense now that there's a new quarterback, dot, dot, dot. Um, just, to, uh, just to kind of... Uh, pick up what you wrote it sounds as though brian ference is going to be there until the bowl game you've heard both you know, a number of different uh, scenarios whether regarding his future what can you tell us about that yeah it's it's really kind of interesting because there aren't going to be any changes which is so unlike uh, most teams where they do you know once the regular season's over with they have kind of a, a clean sweep you know they, they make changes i mean kentucky did that at offensive coordinator going into the bowl game. And so Iowa is, uh, you know, the, and I'll granted, you know, is, is Kirk going to fire his son at the end of the year? That wasn't going to be the case. And he's out recruiting. Uh, but I, I've heard different things that he's wanted, he wants to, to leave and go to the NFL and, or there's the potential for moving him to a different position. It's, it's kind of a strange, uh, lack of, you know, they haven't filled the vacuum of information yet that has to, what specifically is going to happen here. But I do think, and I, and I have been told that there's going to be a change kind of in how it is structured at a minimum. And I think the, the most likely scenario involves Judd, John Budmeyer kind of assuming some sort of a, a permanent status on the, on the roster, whether that's quarterback coach and or passing game coordinator or offensive coordinator or something that out of fact is, is kind of what has been the most logical situation that's been thrown out there. Now, I'm not saying that it's definite, and otherwise I would write it, but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the area that I'm hearing most of all. Makes a lot of sense. There needs to be some changes, though, philosophically. If it's in-house with Bud Meyer, if it's going outside, there needs to be an evolution. You wrote a lot about the jet sweep motion, something that Iowa was effective when they did it, when they used it both to hand the football off to the guy coming in motion, just running the football with a running back out of that scheme, or even throwing the football. Why do you think that we didn't see more of that? Was it just simply as it was such a small part of the playbook they weren't? Or was it Brian Ferentz not being, I don't know, overly confident with what they did and just kind of the way that he calls the game using that jet motion? 
I think a lot of it had to do with just they weren't able to do anything else. (laughs) You know, that they weren't able to to run outside zone effectively with it, that they weren't able to have pass options off of it. And that's schematic, that's play calling, but that's also personnel and execution-based. So it all went hand-in-hand. Now, a lot of the, the run yardage that they did, you know, that they didn't have necessarily with, with the chat sweep was, uh, you know, was Caleb Johnson real being able to break off some really long runs. And, and, but the effectiveness of that is that it forced either hesitation at the second level or changed in movement pre-snap that allowed that, that run to be more successful. So I think that's something that they have to examine as to how this works. And then when they take the next step as a, as a program, how do you make that, you know, become a staple, but do other things well too. And, and so I, you know, I would only be, you know, hypothesizing as to why they didn't do it more often, but sometimes it does become too repetitive and it doesn't work. And we did see that sometimes with it, but I think it did, it did enough to where, wow, um, you need to do more of this because the other stuff wasn't working at all. Doc, I want to bring up uh, the the offensive line and the uh, uh, you wrote about it. And you you reminded us that you'd written about it before, but I guess maybe it didn't sink in the first time. Um, in 2018 and 19 recruiting classes, I recruited seven offensive linemen, and the only one that played this year was Jack Plum. Uh, that goes a long way into, I guess, kind of uh, taking us behind the curtain as to why the offensive line is is where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's there's some unfortunate situations. I mean, you think of if Cody Entz was there, uh, that's a solidified spot. He's the, immediately the best offensive lineman they have. If Justin Britt isn't hurt, you know, with his knee issue, he's probably a starter. And then there's other ones that they completely missed on. You know, a guy, you know, Ezra Miller, who they really liked and, and didn't last very long. He's in Nebraska now. And Noah Fenske, who was in Colorado and now has hit the transfer portal. And, and so there's guys that worked out, um, that would have worked out, but injuries cost them. And then there's others that didn't work out, um, for whatever reason. So, but either way, it's created a major problem and hole up front where they've had to compensate it with really young players who haven't, um, either aren't physically developed yet and to, to operate it or aren't skilled enough to operate it in an effective manner. So that was a real problem for the offensive line that we've seen. And, and, uh, and then you throw on an accurate quarterback, wide receiver challenges, <laughs> you know, play calling and scheme, all of that really led to what we saw as the disaster that was Iowa's offense this year. Cade McNamara, he'll be QB one coming in from Michigan. How did they sell him? I mean, really, how, what was the sales pitch? Was it as simply as, hey, here's Iowa Swarm. They got a bunch of money for you in the collective coming your way. What, how possibly could you sell a quarterback of that caliber to come into Iowa City after what we've seen last couple of seasons offensively? I think you can also, you know, I think we've seen some really bad offense, but I think you could also say the potential's there to be better with a better quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you know, offensive line goes a long way. We know that, but it's not that far removed from when Nate Stanley threw 68 touchdown passes <laughs> and, you know, in three seasons at Iowa and 27 of which went to tight end in a two year period. So if you have a good tight end and maybe they bring in another one who was here the other day mm-hmm. and you throw him in with, with Luke Lachey and you say, look, we have a, an, one of the best defenses in the country every single year. And next year will be just as good. 
And if we get a little bit better protection and get a little bit more on the edge on the wide receiver, um, you could come in and be a difference maker and take us to a level where we'll be competitive in Indianapolis, not just get there. And I think that's a fair assumption here. Now, you know, the offense was terrible. It needs better coordination and it needs better play calling and a few better players here and there. But the guts of this team, I mean, they were still, you know, right there with going to Indianapolis again. Now, being competitive in Indianapolis is completely different, but I think uh, that's not a hard sell to a player like Caden McNamara, who, you know, watched, uh, you know, played against Iowa last year in the championship and was, uh, you know, watched his former team beat Iowa and Iowa City this year. So I, I don't think that's a hard sell at all. The hard sell now comes at wide receiver to say, yeah, you're going to get some numbers and play for a winner. That's a little bit different situation, I think. Uh, one uh, question basketball-wise for me last night, I know you were at Carver, uh, at Peyton Sanford. How, how does he get himself out of this, Doc? I mean, I'm sure that there's a million people chirping at him trying to you know, to, to plant ideas as to, well, well, this happened to me, this is what I did, it's different for everybody. How does he get himself out of this? It's a really tough one because I saw him, I was there early, and he was up there getting shots with Matt Gaines for quite a while, trying to just work on his stroke and everything. And then, you know, he goes over seven and over five from three and, and sets a, you know, a couple of first game, his first two games are really good. And then, you know, he sends, I think he's like three of 29. So is it, is it the stroke? Is it confidence? Is it, you know, that's just something you have to work through. It's a skill. So I think in some ways, maybe playing, some lighter competition the next few games probably will help him because he can work through it and it's not going to be too costly and and so i think if once it hits for him then i think it all will flow but you know it's it's not been (laughs) it's been really rough Mm. for him and i think it's just a matter of just making some shots and getting confidence scott doctorman from the athletic doc what you got coming up this week anything you'd like to share or promote yeah, right now I'm writing kind of about uh, the Big Ten's uh, divisional alignment 2024. Uh, I've got a story coming up tomorrow about what the, there's no real news necessarily, but it looks like it'll be February when that decision will be made. And then, mm-hmm. and then I'm writing kind of a, an enterprise piece on the viability of the bowl system beyond the college football playoff, mm-hmm. and that should be coming out on Thursday. Tell me there is a path. Is there? <laughs> I think so. Good. I, I think there's going to be more bowl games, uh, but ESPN is going to be a big factor in that and making sure that a lot of them stay relevant, but I think there might be too many of them at this point. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Have a good yep. one, guys. Talk Thank to you, you next week. Thank you, Scott. Scott Dockerman from The Athletics. We check in uh, with our pal. You know, as we mentioned ESPN, I wondered why we weren't seeing North Dakota um, they're down to the semi, right? Yeah, coming up so this weekend. So Friday night, I mean, there's there's all those bowl games on Saturday now. There's the NFL on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Why in the world are they playing on Saturday? Well, ESPN has NBA on Friday night. Aha. Right? Makes sense. It does. Uh, it's uh, our final timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the hour. Hour two has a couple of Knicks, Athen and Osen. Oh, and Mr. Monday Night. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Point- now back to Miller and Condon. On 106.3 KXNO, here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Well, it sounds as though progress is being made uh, when it comes to both Oklahoma and Texas, leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. Potentially, 2023 will be it. 
off yes. in 2024, which would be a year early. A year early, yeah. So write a check for what's ever left on that agreement and hightail it out of the conference. It would be if they paid the full grant of rights, about $86 million. That'll be negotiated down. $50 million seems to be kind of what people Throwing the Longhorn Network. <laughs> Nobody wants that thing. Well, wouldn't... Uh, no. You don't think so? No. I mean, no, the SEC does, but the Big 12 doesn't have one other than Plus. Yeah, but ESPN doesn't care about that. They want people streaming. Yeah, I guess. That day and age is over. Yeah, probably it, so. It's all about streaming. So that's the likelihood you'll get to see Oklahoma, Texas one more time. And the new members come in next season. It'll be one year of a 14-team league, and then likely it'll be back to 12 after that in the departure. Uh, real quick, when was the golf match? It was Saturday night. Really? Yeah, you didn't watch? I couldn't. I didn't, No, I didn't. I looked for it Saturday. Yeah, it was uh, under the lights. How? And what channel carried it? Do you remember? Uh, TNT. I didn't even look there. Didn't think to look yeah. there. Tiger not win? Must have. Twitter didn't I don't even me. know who won, but I. it was on. It was at the party I was at. It was okay. It was kind of entertaining watching him play under the lights, but I wasn't deep into it at all. All right. Hour number two. We'll get back to the NFL, and we'll talk some Iowa State. Mr. Monday night as well. It's 106.3, Des Moines Sports Station, K.